Hey friends, we trust your summer's off to a great start. Guess what? The Romans 12 Relate, Refresh, and Restore podcast just hit 50. Yes, we just dropped our 50th episode, which we want to celebrate with you, our dear partners and listeners and subscribers. When we first began thinking of creating a podcast as a branch of what we do here at Romans 12 Ministries, we hoped that the stories and topics would encourage not only ministry leaders and their families, but those who desire to hear what God is doing in and through a variety of people. And from your feedback, we are humbled how Jesus is using this podcast. So thank you for your faithfulness. And we are committed to our mission, which is, by God's grace and goodness, we refresh and restore ministry leaders and their families. And guess what? If you're alive and a follower of Christ, you are in ministry. So to mark our 50th podcast, we are going to, well, we're going to rest a little bit, but we are excited to offer you the best of, yep, our most listened to podcasts these past two years. Enjoy them, and we will return the first week in August with new stories of hope for those on the front lines of ministry, which includes you and me. I am not just a stay-at-home mom. I am not just a pastor's wife. I am not just, because that's not our identity. We need to rediscover what our true identity is, and that's what I'm working on with these women is, what, what is your identity? Who are you in Christ? Hey, welcome to another episode of Relate, Refresh, and Restore, where we passionately are committed to offering encouragement and new ideas to those on the front lines of Christian ministry. At Romans 12 Ministries, we come alongside those leaders and families fighting for their emotional, physical, and spiritual health. For we firmly believe that healthy leaders lead healthy ministries. And where there are healthy churches and ministries, there will be transformation in communities. Welcome again to the Relate, Refresh, and Restore podcast. David Town here with the Romans 12 Relate, Refresh, Restore podcast. We are changing things up a bit for this episode today. Joe Higgins, a Romans 12 board member and a longtime radio host in the Tucson community, interviews my wife, Sophia, and I as we discuss coming alongside spouses of pastors and ministry leaders. Sophia is the director of women's ministries at Romans 12 and shares her experiences these past two years partnering with what she calls the silent sufferers in ministry. So happy to be here with my really true and beautiful great friends that we know each other off air and off life and uh, Sophie Town and David Town. Mm. Hello. Welcome. Joe, thank you for having us. This is a weird to be on this side of the, the microphone today. <laughs> well, and how many lives have we all shared together with our kids and our friends and uh, our school business, everything we do together. And, and I feel like uh, what a blessing to be able to sit down with you and have this talk. Thank uh, you. And mm. I know you both so well, and hopefully we'll learn a little bit more and share with the audience. So uh, we're really going to focus on Romans 12's uh, role in women's ministry today. Mm-hmm. And Sophie, you kind of run that part of the uh, of the mission. The, I do, I do, and it's a privilege and a and a pleasure to meet these women all all across the city, um, and just hear their stories. Awesome. Now, now you all have been met. You're grandmothers now and grandfathers, <laughs> and you have four kids, and you have a long life. and And I happen to know some backstory a little bit here. But when you both married, was David on a walk of faith, and you where you are today, or where were you at your spiritual walk at the time? Yes, I mean, I was a Christian. I became a Christian right before I turned eleven, um, and so that was a criteria, my major criteria, and when I chose David before he chose me. Uh, was that they needed to be a strong Christian. And he was fairly new, so he had that zest for 
who he was and where he was heading and what God was doing in his life. And uh, and I had been become a little more settled and immature. Oh, come on now. You know what? She actually, the true story is that she was my boss. She hired me when I was, what, 21 years old? Mm-hmm. And I was looking for a job and I was, had a few months before going back to college and a friend of mine said hey you know what she's looking for some christmas help and i went in there to interview and i liked what i saw (laughs) and uh but anyway that was the beginning of our relationship and it's been 37 years coming up now did you have a vision then of what today would look like 37 years later and no no i you know you live life as it comes and you deal with your past and you're living in the present, and then you're just asking God, you know, as you as you become an empty nester, what do you want me to do now? What what is my next uh, calling from you? And so, this definitely was the calling, and came at the right time. It just was perfect for me. It was perfect for us. We wanted to work together again. Mm-hmm. We wanted to end our careers working together, full circle. And so, this was just this like the perfect job. And we. We really have said this numerous times over the last two years that this is God has brought us through the ups and downs of life, through uh, ministry, through the joys of ministry, and through the heartaches of ministry to be able to really relate to those on the front lines right now. And uh, so without those storms in life and the trials and the challenges and even the joys, we would not be as effective um, in talking to people today. I totally agree. In fact, let's go back 10 or 15 years. David's mm-hmm. been in the teaching world and then became an administrator, and he ran a very a large Christian uh, K-12 through uh, school here, mm-hmm. head of school's principal. And that's almost like being a pastor of a you know your your flock and your group and you're Very on a pedestal so. and you have you have all that pressure and whatnot. But you were the pastor's wife essentially. Right, right. Your kids went to the school, so you yep. have that added pressure of kind of that you know judgments yep. and things that are happening. So mm-hmm. your spiritual journey at that time when you're a young mom and busy and everything mm-hmm. versus today versus before. Did you did you how did that happen? What did that look like for you as a pastor's wife in, in David's world? So. As he, because David was in public edu- education prior to this, that was easy. People are just really sweet to you. Not that they weren't as we moved in uh, to private education, but it's just a different ball game. You have a different clientele, and so I can relate to pastors' wives because the things that um, that people want from someone is is hard to accept because they want to change they want to become my friend because they want to make a difference in their child's education not because they want to come to me and be my friend and really know who i am it's what can i do for them so there were so many times i had women come to me and i was kind of green you know it was like oh okay they want to invite me out for dinner or (laughs) dessert coffee something i'm like this is great you know and then you get there and it's there's an agenda mm-hmm. so your wall just keeps building yeah. as the years go on the things that are said about us um i i every year there was a rumor <laughs> we would end the year on oh did you hear this rumor about you and i'm like really okay <laughs> yeah it's, so it kind of got to be a joke every year wait what's the rumor for this year and so um yeah you become guarded yeah. You feel lonely because you can't yeah. dive into 
the atmosphere that he's in and yeah. and not you know be a little uncomfortable so um, and the pressure on your kids and the, the kids yeah, yeah, yeah. then when it came to the kids it was really rough um in instances mostly as they got older and the choices that they made as as teens those were hard to hear when when they would come home and say this was said to me yeah. what would your dad think right. you know who your dad is right. why would you do this it dishonors your dad uh, you know it's aren't it's we supposed to aren't we supposed to not judge as christians isn't that part of in our dna that that it, <laughs> it is yeah. but you would you know in yeah. the church in any christian organization there is a judgment yeah. because there's supposed to be an appearance there's supposed to be a a look a feel um you know you're supposed to behave a certain way yeah. and when our children didn't then there was there were those comments those little dings in their in their bodies in their minds we definitely felt and and i and i'm guilty of this too that as leaders we're supposed to in the christian world we're supposed to have it all together mm-hmm and to show any kind of weakness is is really not acceptable. Mm-hmm. So then we learn to play a part. And by doing that, we become less transparent and less real and we become, become more broken. And I think with education, I used to always say that, you know, in the public realm, I could exceed people's expectations. Mm-hmm. And then in the yeah. private, I had a hard time meeting the expectations. And that I think is true with pastors is that it's hard to meet the expectations. And then you throw on the family, you throw on the kids, you throw on uh, how a wife is supposed to act or look like. And I think we've found with Romans 12 Ministries that you know, pastors are hurting, but so are the, the wives. Right, the wives are actually, you know, they're the silent sufferers. They, they hear, they see everything that's going on in the church because when they're, think about it, when they're sitting in church, they're with the body. And their husband is up there like a pedestal in many cases to to people and so she's down here among the people hearing oh i don't like the the worship this week oh the pastor's message wasn't didn't mean anything to me all these different criticisms oh you you know pastor's daughter's wearing her skirts too short um the son's hair is too long. Right, you know, right. there's something. Not to mention the dinner table conversations before yeah. with, between husband and wife about what's happening with the dynamics of the finances and the running of the pair, exactly. the pastor, everything. I, I can't imagine. So I, I really want to take you on that journey because what makes you so effective at Romans 12 is that both of you have lived this mm-hmm. and both of you have gone through it. Right. So when you sit with a pastor or you sit with the pastor's wives, mm-hmm. which was something that was kind of unique to what we started here mm-hmm. and we really didn't know where it would go. And you have made it, and you have blossomed it. So, what what are you seeing with the pastors' wives? At, you know, because you you can relate. So, how do you work through that? Or what does that look like? What are some right. patterns you're seeing? Right. So, God has placed on my heart that women are women. Women across the board. We all have our struggles. Um, a lot of the things that these pastors' wives deal with, the average woman deals with the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so, I will see things like high anxiety. Um, loneliness you know many of them say gosh you know I'm in this large church or I'm at this party I'm at some function and I feel so alone Mm -hmm. but yet I have to put a smile on my face and you know a lot of wives or uh, pastors wives are um, introverts Mm -hmm. and so to go to these these functions which they feel they all need to go to every single 
baby shower, wedding shower, graduation, right. all that stuff, and so many of them dread it. Um, and so, so kind of the opposites attract, right? That the, the yes, the pastor is up on the stage and he's out extrovert yes. and married an introvert, Completely. which is very similar to my life too. And you're, I know you both well. So Completely, very, yeah. very yeah. Uh, relatable. Yeah, it is extremely relatable. So, so they're just dealing with things that you know distrust. And and the interesting thing that I found is that it isn't just distrust in people; they're starting to distrust God because of all the attacks in, in Satan's lies that they're starting to listen to because they're hearing so much over and over again, they start to believe it and question themselves, whether it's, you know, as a pastor's wife, what is my role? How do I work to protect my husband? How do I protect my children? Yeah. And how do I, she's the middle person, yeah. you know, she's taking care of her husband, but she's sure. also trying to keep her kids in line. And it's a 24 seven job Always. and you're never off and you kind of aren't paid, you know, it's, yeah. just, it's, it's your career and your yeah. life. So it, there's imagine. a lot of anxiety. Um, and a lot of us just, um, I think across the board, average women, we, you know, all as parents, we want our kids to, to behave well. We want to hear people say, Oh, your kids are so well behaved or they performed this very well. They were mm-hmm. quiet mm-hmm. during whatever. Mm-hmm. So we all desire to hear those things. Wasn't but, it great that we had perfect kids? <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's you when, have good kids. Yeah. I know them all. Oh yeah, my word! Kids. We could tell you stories <laughs> and stories. <laughs> yes, we can. And 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 that's another thing is you know we look at the pastors family and we tend to think oh they're they're perfect or in our mind they need to be perfect sure so when they mess up it's a big mess up yeah. um and if he it, can't keep his own home in order how can he keep the you know, exactly. yeah, our churches yeah, totally. exactly and we we learn that we mm-hmm. learn that and some of it's hindsight you know mm-hmm. we'd go back and wish we had said things differently to our children and to oh. let them be who they're meant to be yeah. To let them, I think that's very much apparent. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just pastor parent; yeah. it's totally apparent yeah. thing. Like, man, I could have done that better or missed that. Missed right. that. But, but don't you think, Sophia, that that our a lot of our identity was wrapped mm. up in how our kids behaved? Exactly, exactly. Uh, and that's one thing I found with these women; they just need someone to give them permission yeah. that they don't need to take on these roles, and they don't need to have their identity mixed up in in one particular thing like i am here's one thing we're going to talk about at one of my events is just i am not just a stay-at-home mom i am not just a pastor's wife i am not just because that's not our identity i i i was a mom for i'm still a mom but i mothered children until they left home you know so for many years but when they left I was I was glad for them to leave because I got me back. Yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. And then we need to rediscover what our true identity is, yeah. and that's what I'm working on with these women: is what what is your identity? Who right. are you in Christ? And this is interesting: is that you have pastors' wives, and I say to them, you know, this book I'm going through, who you are in Christ is vital, and every single one of them they say yes because they trust me. But every single one of them said, you know, I was kind of offended when you asked me <laughs> to go through this book because, of course, I know who I'm in Christ. But as we go through the book, yeah. they realize they don't yeah. or they realize that they have never received right. something that Christ has said that they are. So it's been very rewarding, not only for them, but for myself, because we all need to go back sure. to the basics and really grasp who we are in Christ. 
so that we can stop listening to all those voices yeah. around us. That well, are, and to have you come in with an experience having lived it, right? Yes. And to say, look, you're not alone. Yes. I went through it as well. Mm-hmm. And here's the stage and here's the process. Yes. And when you're uh, a young family and, and doing the mom thing and just living life, it, it's, mm-hmm. you have no time, right, to really right. kind of think and reflect and do all the things exactly. you're doing. So you're giving them permission mm-hmm. and you're challenging them to move back into Christ because mm-hmm. that is the way this – and you know, ironically, that's the same with the men and the same with the pastors that we've talked to. They're so busy doing and being that right. they're not in the Word and they're not really living. Yeah, and they're not in many ways. Many of us um, get so busy academic. We are preparing for a sermon. We are preparing for the funeral. We're preparing for uh, the wedding. We are doing all these different events and and so on that that our faith becomes this academic head knowledge versus our heart knowledge. And we we get into it. We kind of in education. You get into teaching because you want to make a difference for kids. It's in your heart. It's your calling. And you just love kids. And then you get into it. And after a number of years of maybe getting beat up a little bit, you lose that that zeal because all of a sudden you've lost sight of why you got into education. I feel a lot of our, our pastors and pastor's wives have done that. They they have gotten so busy. It's it's in their head now instead of their heart. And one of the things that we are challenging them is dive into the Word so you can hear Christ talk to you, not for a sermon, but just be quiet and be able to do that. And that's why at Romans twelve we are able to to spend time with them as a, as life coaches and and get them away to be to hear God's voice and to have time with Sophie and have these women be able to share. But I think one of the things, Soph, that you said was that is very concerning because it really affects their spiritual walk. And so what are some things that you actually do to help them get that hope back? Well, getting the hope back is, is getting them to see the lies that they've listened to. Um, asking them the questions that they either don't ask themselves, they don't think to ask themselves, and, and confronting the truth. What is the truth, and how can we receive that? And so after many of our meetings, I'll say, okay, what's your goal for this week? And if they don't know, then I'll suggest, why don't you just stop every time you start to feel anxious? What is making you anxious? What is the lie that you're hearing either from in your head from Satan or from delivered by somebody else? And and really stop and be intentional Mm. and say, that's that's a lie mm. but um, so so they're alone so you mm. give a container and you create a relationship personally yes then you bring them together the ladies no you, no it's this is very confidential uh, i mean these are don't you do gatherings and where you kind of i let, do okay. have women's yeah. events yeah. that are wonderful there and and those include people that i don't meet with on a regular basis those are just women we want to love on mm-hmm. um, because not every pastor's wife is in a crisis yeah. or needs someone to walk alongside them right now or they're just not ready to say they are um, because you know a lot of them just have been running on the same fast pace um, mm-hmm. the same feelings they don't want to change or they mm-hmm. don't realize that that they're they're missing something right. and so at these events they get to hear you know, what we do, how we love them, and we show them a really good time. We treat mm. them as women, no labels, mm. just come and enjoy other women who understand you the best. And they all walk away. I was just reading some quotes that we have collected from these women, and, and just the thing that comes away is, I was so refreshed. Mm. I felt loved. 
I really get that Romans 12 is there when I need them. And so it's good. We're, we're, st- we're here, and they know we're here, and if they're not in a big crisis, they might not use us. But when they do know that when the, something big happens, who yeah. to call. And so for that, I am I'm thankful. So I'm thinking concentric circles kind of mm-hmm. where each of you, are, you're working with the men and your team and, and, and Ron and whatnot, and you're working with the women individually. You're creating places to gather so they feel community amongst like-minded yes. folks. Yeah. And then the final step is you're doing the marriage counselings and you're doing the marriage retreats for marriages in crisis or marriages that, because if that's not strong, nothing's strong. The family's exactly. not strong. And then you're bringing all that back to spirituality and the faith mm-hmm. and the word and, and Christ. Yeah. So it's it's a beautiful orchestrated event mm-hmm. that I don't know if you really intentionally thought that, mm-hmm. but that's kind of what I see from the outside being on your board and watching the stories and hearing backwards from you. Right, right. You know, I was going to ask, marriages, I think we've found of all the different challenges in ministry mm-hmm. um, and the different things that take us down, marriages are, are a key piece to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you found in your in your talks and, and walking with women? How are the marriages? What's the health of the marriages like? So I think each of them have, you know, we've all go through some uh, roadblocks or bumps in the road. Thankfully, my women have not necessarily been in crisis. I've had a couple, but for the most part, they just need to know, how do I work through this? How do I let go of certain things? And so we, you know, in our marriage uh, retreats, it's such a sweet time. It's, it's, an, it's a time where they're in actually, you know, a group of other couples that are going through some of the same things as pastors and pastor's wives that we can speak truth into them and it's you know it's the same thing what we've all been saying if we can just get a pastor and his wife or his family in an intentionally focused quiet place they can actually hear god they can hear each other and then they can respond to that in a positive way Mm. it's beautiful yeah, we see that so often with the marriage retreats to be able to have that time, that quiet time, that time just together to hear hear Christ. And that's, you know, with our getaways for couples and for individuals, that is a must mm-hmm. in this busy, loud world. So I, I'm just thinking of a of a a wife of a ministry leader right now who's listening, mm-hmm. and they're going, "I am not doing well." As I'm listening to this, this is resonating. And I'm not doing well, and I don't have anybody to talk to. I mean, what what kind of advice would you give them? I would say, you know, reach out to reach out to me at Romans 12, but also think about. I, I'm trying to get the ladies to build their own community because there's only one me. Is to find another pastor's wife, not in your church, but outside of your church. You cannot have the person that you dump on about your marriage to be someone in the church because it's going to you're going to take down your husband in many ways. Um, But if you found another pastor's wife somewhere in the city that you trust, that you can say, I'm struggling in my marriage in this regard, they're going to totally get you. And they're not going to talk about it. It's going to be confidential. Um, Here at Romans 12, you come into my office and we shut the door, and that's where everything you say stays is in that room. Mm -hmm. We don't share you know, even if we're meeting with husband and wife, we really don't share what each has, has said. And so when a pastor's wife comes into me and she's struggling with her husband, we don't talk about her husband because I can't do anything about him. She can't really change him either. So we talk about herself, 
her feelings. Um, and then we talk about ways to work through those things. Um, mm. So we go, we, we really do dive in. I always say, when I meet with a pastor's wife, I don't, I don't know her favorite color. I don't know much about her on those superficial things, but mm. we dive right deep and I know what's happened to her in the past as a child, how she's grown up, all these really deep, deep things um, that we get to uh, work through. So as we, as we get wrapping up here, a uh, question for both of you, because now that you've been in ministry yourself in leadership roles, you're serving uh, other pastors and wives, you've mentioned the pressures on them. How is, if I'm going to a, a church, I'm part of a congregation, I'm part of a, of a mm. how do I support that? What's that look like? What are some red flags or... How can I tell someone sitting in a in an aisle or a pew what this looks like or what that feels like? Because the problem and the reason we're here is the turnover in ministry leadership is what's the statistic? Is it two? Oh, what's the average time that a pastor's in a? Oh, less than less than three years, fifty uh, percent will not be at the same church. Right. Either they quit or they are fired. So how do we, as a congregation, come around that? How do we support them? What's that look like? Well, I think knowledge. You know, that's what we're trying to do is also educate the body that we tend to look at our leaders and we we expect things from them, but we don't think about how can we help them? Mm. How can we just love on them? Um, And and so I had written this article about the five love languages. And, you know, so of those five, your pastor's wife needs all five of those. She needs words of affirmation. She needs acts of service. Oh, my goodness. Just do something for her without even asking. Just observe. And if you see that, you know, she would just like a coffee or babysit for her children, take some, just take something off her plate. Just, you know, just spontaneously. Um, no agenda. Just No uh, agenda. Just no, nothing. Show. Yeah, don't even expect a thank you yeah. because, you know what, they're probably really just tired. Mm-hmm. And then receiving gifts, women I have found, they love they love to give, but they are they just cannot receive real well. So, a part of that is just them actually getting the opportunity to receive things. Mm-hmm. So you know, send them a note, send them a little, you know, some flowers, candy, anything that you think is sure. would bring a smile even to your own face. Do that for them, because when it's unexpected, it means a great deal. Time with them. Um, sometimes it's just, you know, we do have our walls up, but sometimes just saying, hey, can I get a coffee with you? For you to listen to them, not for you to talk about any of your issues, but just to say, hey, you know, I've been praying for you. Um, I just want to get together with coffee and tell you all the ways that you and your family have blessed me, what the church means to me. Um, You know, just those little moments that mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be anything big um and then um physical touch we all can use a hug and i'm sure you you know the the person sitting in the pew needs a hug too mm-hmm. so when you give that hug to your pastor's wife you're just getting a hug back mm-hmm. and and that says so much to them mm-hmm. i need a hug right now <laughs> <laughs> no you know i was i just want to follow up I, I had a chance to follow a pastor for a day and i logged what he did uh, i think it started at 6 30 a.m and it went till about 6 p.m and i just logged what he was doing throughout the day and it opened my eyes so much to the world of a pastor where before i was pretty naive 
I thought, well, they, they speak on Sunday morning. They probably do a little bit of, you know, study. And they golf on Mondays and, you know, whatever. These pastors are exhausted. And I think if we understand their world, then we'll be more empathetic to help them along with those things that Sophia shared. Yeah. And um, I think it, that understanding gives us a real passion and a heart for them uh, to be encouragers and refresh them. Yeah. And that's what churches, I mean, if churches are doing what they're, they need to be doing for pastors, there's no need for Romans 12 ministries. Right. Right. And that's been the journey that we've all been on and watching this as we peel that onion of the issues and it's elder boards and it's pastor's wives and it's pressures and it's financial pressures and all the COVIDs and lockdowns and unbelievable. And the strength of your church is the strength of your families is the strength of your community and ultimately the strength of your country. So the work you do is super, super important. And I'm so glad to be part of it. So glad to be close friends with both of you. And uh, please keep doing it. We're going to keep praying for you and just keep keep up the great, great work. Joe Higgins, we love you, and uh, we thank you so much, and we are so honored to be friends with you and to walk this journey with you, and um, God is doing a great work, and so many people have said, who's that guy that does the intro to the podcast? Can't you have a voice like him? And I really get mad at that, so anyway, I hope uh, we don't get thank more you. comments on that saying, hey, there needs to be a new host right now. Well, you keep your day job with Romans 12. Okay. And we'll let radio happen elsewhere. All right, sounds, sounds great. great. Again, thanks much, and thanks for tuning in to Romans 12. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and it's all about stories. It's all about connections with people, and that's what this group does so well. And hopefully, you, as you hear this, you can go back to your world and your small community and live the mission and live the faith and live the spirituality that we've all been taught and that we need to express. Thank you for joining us today at another episode of Relate, Refresh, and Restore, a podcast sponsored by Romans 12 Ministries. For more information on Romans 12 Ministries, visit us at romans12ministries.org or give us a call at 520-982-5877. May we all continue to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer.